When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Ngakwe is on the sideline and Campbell. Intercepted. That was Ramsey who jumped across the middle and got his second interception of the season. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking Alex Boone, who is going to start the show by saying... I'm sorry I doubted you, Matt. Go ahead and say it, Alex. Say you sorry you doubted me. Why did I doubt you? What you, happened? You doubted me because you weren't super interested in the Jalen Ramsey trade, and then today it comes out from Josina Anderson that the Vikings have inquired on Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I, okay. Ah. Okay. You can do it. I, I, Sorry, I want to see the trade happen first. <laughs> okay. I want to see it happen first. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it does make things a little more intriguing here, Alex, because I think it shows not only are the Vikings interested in just adding more talent to the defense because they're aware of what is going on on offense through two weeks, but also it shows a little bit of their desperation to stack as much talent as they possibly can on this defense with the window to win that they have. I mean, they have to feel Rick Spielman, the front office, Mike Zimmer, they have to feel after that loss to Green Bay, like, boy, if we are not number one, two, or three in the NFL and defense, we're going to have a really tough time time being an actual contender here right and not only that but you're gonna have to be one two or three every single week like you have to bring it every week and you're right this shows a desperation move and all out hey we have this year or next year i mean my question today to you was going to be if you is is the loser of this game going to get fired hmm because, like when? Like immediately or just yeah, down the because, road a little I mean, bit listen, this league's changed, okay? There was a time back in the day when they'd have been like, okay, listen, I get it. Some bad things happened. I mean, like look at Oakland, you know, the whole Antonio Brown thing. People say, okay, I get it. Bad times happened. That was whole a whole weird scenario. But now people are kind of like, hey, listen, we're moving next year to Vegas. We need to look like mm-hmm. a good team. We kind of got a lot of things going on right now. We can't go into Vegas like, hey, look at us, and we're crutching in there. And on the other side, you look at Mike Zimmer and you say, hey, listen, this team is primed to win now. And if you can't even beat Oakland in your own stadium, which is one of the best stadiums to play in, 
What does that say about this team? Where have we gone? What are we putting our money into at this point? So I think that fired at this point would be a little on the aggressive side, even though I don't disagree with you when it comes to the way that the NFL is now, is that people just get fired after one year as head coaches and things like that. We saw that in well, that's uh, Cleveland. Air- I mean, that's Cleveland. every year in Cleveland. But I'm yes, talking about, like, right. look Outside at Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. I mean, even yeah. Green Bay has such a rich history of football that you would think if anybody was going to show respect to a football coach, it would be Green Bay. And they were like, no, you got to go. There's yeah, the door. Yeah. Go. Yeah, and so I, I would not say that it would happen this week that one side or the other, Gruden or Mike Zimmer, would be fired if they struggle against Oakland. But it would, I would say, ramp up the heat to about a 9 out of 10 on Mike Zimmer because then you look at the schedule going forward. I mean, you have to go to Chicago in week four. If you come up short here, I mean, you Ooh. are you are talking about an incredible, incredible yeah. amount of pressure. And I do think it's realistic to talk about how much the pendulum swings with that one game. I don't think this week could do it, but if you were talking about a loss this week and then you go into Chicago and pull a no-show, I mean, then I think everyone's looking around saying, well, we've, we've got to do something even more desperate than trying to trade for a cornerback. We have to take a big swing here. And I remember Courtney talking about even before the season, if things didn't start out well, you might be talking about a different offensive coordinator, a different play caller, especially... Alex, and I want to get into this with you, but I went back and watched every play, and every time they tried a play-action bootleg, Green Bay was right there in Kirk Cousins' face, so that's the play you call in the biggest situation of the game? I mean, there is so much pressure on everyone that this game is kind of being looked at a little bit of, well, you know, you just beat Oakland at home. But last year we thought the same thing about Buffalo, and they pulled a no-show. If that happens again, then absolutely the pressure is out of this world on this team. That could be a tough curse, especially because it was the same week as last year, you know, and you're getting over a tough week, a tough loss. And last year they did just tied against Green Bay. Like, this is kind of getting a little creepy. But my question to you is if you're going to fire the play caller, who are you firing? Because you can't fire both of them. <laughs> That's a good I mean, question. You're, you're not going to fire Stefanski and Kubiak. Who gets fired? Because. To me, I know the answer of who's getting fired. I'm just wondering if you know the answer. Uh, the answer has to be Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak would be on the sideline the next week, right? Correct. I mean, that's, yes. that's what There's would happen. no way that they're going to let Kubiak go under that bus ride. Like no. That would just be the most ungodly thing that could happen. So, And then all of a sudden, everyone's turning around again saying, well... Who, what are we going to do now? Because here we are again. You know, we're running this old offense that everyone's been running for years. And you know, I mean, I read your article and I really liked it. What we what you were talking about in your article, and I hope that we can talk about it later. But you know, if you don't win this week, I think somebody's getting fired. Well, because there's too much talent. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not Sim. Maybe that's an aggressive move. Maybe it's the OC. Hey, listen. <laughs> We can't lose to Oakland. They're coming off something that should just decimate their season. Mm-hmm. You yep. can't let them come into our house and kick us around. Like That's just not how it goes. We're a defensive team. I get that. But at the, on the other side of the ball, you guys have to put up at least 14, 21 points to help us. Can you imagine how it would look if they pulled a no-show the next two weeks? They Oof. blow up against Oakland and mm. Chicago just eats them alive. Can you imagine how that would look if Mike Zimmer had to make another change at offensive coordinator? I no. mean, you have... 
Norv quits because he was unhappy with the situation. And, uh, you know, I, people that I've asked have said it was legit him quitting, not being yeah, fired. But still, but still, he just walks away. And then you fire John Filippo. Pat Shermer takes the job where he probably shouldn't have taken a job in New York. And, right. then, and now you're here with another inexperienced play caller who, in my mind, completely choked as much as Kirk Cousins choked in that situation, especially considering the fact that Green Bay was on top of those plays all day long. I mean, this thing right here, Alex, it it very much has the possibility of, okay, you beat Oakland, go to Chicago, pull off a big win there, and then you're rolling, and everyone's on the same page, and this locker room is uh, gelled together You know, after the Green Bay. Or you're talking about this thing could implode and end up like really like what Jacksonville was last year, where they thought they were going to be in the Super Bowl and they end up completely out of it, and now they look like a mess of a franchise. Yeah, I mean this this has a chance within one week. I mean you're looking at this is the week right here to me, the test week. You know mm-hmm. you're you're in between a tough game that you you really you w- should have won. Right, but it's really physical, and you're kind of looking at that Chicago game down the road because we all say we don't do it, but we're all looking at the schedule like, okay, listen, guys, if we can just get through the first half of this Oakland game mm-hmm. and put up a whole bunch of points, we can coast through the second half and get our minds on Chicago. But that's the problem. Is as a player, nobody pulls you out of that moment and says, listen, dude, you're going to overlook a crappy team, but they're going to look really good against you guys because you're going to look even worse. And I've seen that happen. And it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole because you're looking at Chicago and you're saying, here's a tough defense. They're going to stop the run and they're going to force Kirk to throw it. What are we going to do? And as a player, you're like, man, is there anything I can think of? Is there, you know, you are you start overlooking this you know, crummy Oakland team that everyone was down on, but maybe now might have a little bit of life to them. And it's just, a, it's a dangerous situation for the Vikings. Yeah. And this has happened a few times for the Vikings under Mike Zimmer, including 2016 Indianapolis with the Green Bay game looming after that. And then yep. uh, last year, the Buffalo with the Los Angeles game coming up on a Thursday night right after that, uh, I believe it was. And and so even though I don't necessarily believe in trap games, usually I believe that NFL teams are good at football and they one team can beat another on any given day. But uh, it has happened to this team, so it does seem like a realistic possibility. And plus, we're going to go over this in the next segment. There are some great matchups here in this game. Yes. This This Oakland team is not... Terrible at all. They have some talented players and some that they've added. Um, but I, I want to circle back to what uh, we were talking about with um, the play actions and the bootlegs. And so far, Kirk Cousins is only 7 for 14 and averages 4 yards a pass from play actions. And what I saw going back through the coaches' tape was very concerning to me, Alex. It was Green Bay selling out entirely to stop Kirk Cousins on the bootlegs. And it worked every single time they did it. Uh, I mean, is that just you better make an adjustment fast or everyone's going to do this to you on a week-to-week basis? No, I mean, I like what you said. Where's the hot route? I mean, there's somebody has to show up a lot quicker. And I think the one play that you had wrote up on your article was showing Preston Smith, and he does a really good job. You know, the one thing about Preston is he's really long, mm-hmm. and that always plays to his advantage because when you're a long defensive end, you can create space on your own, right? Like, I know I don't have to stand really close to the tackle. I can get a nice distance and still cover a lot of ground because I can grab and I can run and – He's a pretty good mover. But you're right. He just slow plays it, right? And as soon as he sees that the running back doesn't have the ball, because he has the best angle out of everybody. He's looking Mm -hmm. right from behind the quarterback. As soon as he sees Kirk pull that, he just takes off in a beeline right towards Kirk. Right. Now you're right. Where's the hot route? Somebody has to show up. Now you got Rudy getting grabbed. And normally you would have the fullback coming back on a hide route real quick. Like he's your quick answer. But for whatever reason, they keep having Ham run to the front side. Like make him go back. You need your quick answers because instead of 
hitting Preston Smith, you would either be open or you are going to hit Preston Smith and give your quarterback some more time. So this is what I'm a little concerned about here is not only that those didn't work and the Packers had an easy answer is that Gary Kubiak has been running the same offense for a very, very long time. And there was a quote from Richard Sherman after they beat Denver in the Super Bowl about how they knew exactly what was coming a lot of times. Right. And that's what I wonder about with this is these play action bootlegs are a thing that Kubiak offenses have used for absolute ever. And there has to be by now some tells that exist here. And if you're not executing it perfectly or like you said, you don't hit that hot route immediately when someone's in your face. I mean, this this seems like it could continue to be a problem as they go week to week. If there isn't some sort of creative uh, adaptation here. Oh, you you know what a lot of it is? It's it's all based on the F back. And this is like from the Giro scheme. The F is always like your uh I'm trying to think of who he would be like um Giro being Greg Roman, right? Greg Roman. Yeah, yeah. he be in, in our offense in San Fran it was Delaney Walker. He was our F. He was our main guy because he could do it all. But then teams could always tell what we were doing based on where Delaney was. Hmm. If Delaney was off the ball and Vernon was on the ball, then they knew it was some kind of power or counter, you know. Or if he was off the ball and then went in motion and came back, they knew it was some type of zone away, you know. Like eventually, people pick up on things and and they knew. <laughs> Defenses always knew, too, that we had to keep Delaney close to Vernon because Vernon never knew what he was doing, and Delaney <laughs> always had to tell him. So, like, I swear to God, this is the funniest story. We're in a, we're in a third down, and we're playing Seattle. It's a really tense moment in the game. And, I mean, things are hot. And all of a sudden, Delaney comes in motion across the ball, and you hear, you know, White Eddie! And all of a sudden, you hear Delaney go, Vernon, run the post route! <laughs> he keeps on going in motion. And the defense just starts laughing. Like, everybody just knows, like, all right, now it's a pass. And I'm like, God, God, dude, way to go. But those are the guys that they they cue a lot of things to the defense. You know, they, the defense, where is he? And if they're in a three-by-one set, is he in the middle? Is he in the backfield? Is he offset? Where You know, everything is based on that. Now, you can only do so much, and then all of a sudden you have tendencies. You know, you can only run a play so many ways, and then everyone says, hey, listen. They line up like this. It's going to be either power or zone. So you're either getting hit now or you're not. So you'll know right away. And that's how people start to figure you out quickly. And that's that's one of the things as being a coach. It's got to be hard because you can only drop a play so many ways. Right. And out of so many formations. And then eventually you have a tendency somewhere. And then you have a tendency to throw the ball more on third down, on two to five. And, you know, there's so many different tendencies that guys would talk about. But... To be creative is so hard in this league now. So here's what Mike Zimmer had to say about Green Bay clearly reading their bootlegs and getting right in Kirk's face. Uh, partly why the run was so effective, they weren't challenging the run at times. The outside guys weren't rushing or they weren't squeezing down on the runs. So the cutback lanes were there. We'll take the runs all day if they're going to play the pass. Here's my uh, criticism of that. You're playing into the defense's hands. If you are saying we're going to beat you with the run because it's just extremely, extremely hard in the NFL to beat someone with only the run if you are completely ineffective in the passing game. You just don't see it very often. And even though you and I have made this comparison to some of your old teams that handed off to Frank Gore all the time, you could also create big plays with your passing game with San Francisco in the past. And when Seattle pulled this off, with the number one defense, I'm sure they were holding in the secondary, Alex. With oh, yeah. the uh, with the number one <laughs> number one defense, but Russell Wilson can hit downfield at any time. Right. But without these play action plays, Cousins really struggles to create uh, explosive balls down the field. 
and and uh, to get open receivers and have space and time for himself with the offensive line breaking down. So if you can't run the play actions to help off of the run, and you have to just rely on Delvin Cook to win you football games, I would love a list of all the running backs who have taken yeah. their teams to the Super Bowl. It just does not happen very often. No, absolutely not. No, I, I think that you know one of the things that coaches sometimes get caught in an awkward situation and they just throw out a stubborn comment. I mean, obviously you have to fix this because not only is your play action one of your easiest ways to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands, but it's a big chunk play too. That's when you're really running these over routes, you're running mm-hmm. the dig routes. You know, these are huge chunks and they're super easy. Hey guys, give me the ball and run to the left sideline. That's all you got to do, and I'll just take care of the rest. So, you know, when you have guys that want to start slow playing it, what do you do? Okay, well, now I'm going to have my fullback run back towards him. You know, like as the line's going to the left, like a wide zone to the left, I let my fullback go back to the right. And that's either going to, number one, stop that defensive end from doing anything because he's going to see somebody coming at him and he's going to go, I'm either going to get cut or I'm going to get hit. So brace for impact. So that'll slow me down. And then as the fullback runs past him, he's going to know what it is, but there's your hot route right there running. Right, you know? and, right. and right there, that's five yards. I used to love these. Uh, Greg Roman used to love calling these on your P and 10s. And this was like, you know, it wasn't your first and 10. It was the first play of the series. They used to call it P and 10. I don't know why it was a P. It used to piss me off, though. That, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It, it, doesn't stand, it doesn't seem to stand for anything. Anything. Like, Jiro <laughs> would say, you know, P and 10, we're going to call. I'd be like, you mean first and 10? He'd be like, no, it's P and 10. I'd be like, all right, dude, we're going to fight about this all day. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe it was PH. IRST, I don't know. I mean, these fancy people. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fat along with the PHAT. There we go. That's it's like a the real thing. first out. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally cool, guys. <laughs> Anyways, he used to love calling these because, you know, we had such a great effective run game, but it would get the defense moving too. And it would get you like a chance to hit a guy without really having to do anything and you get a good feel for him and get your quarterback on the move a little bit, get him warmed up, and it get him a real easy throw because you got your over route coming, you got a dig coming back to you, and you got your hot route in the in the backfield coming and it was almost like okay i got a quick doink up first down all right guys now we got this drive rolling Mm -hmm. and and for me if you can't do the simple things how the hell do you expect to do the complicated things like if if you if you're sitting there telling me like hey we can't run a simple waggle what'd you just say like dude it's the easiest play in the world just run (laughs) You don't have to do anything. Uh, and to your point about the fullback, you could do it with the tight end, too, sneaking right. underneath the formation. They do this with Greg Kittle all the time, where it looks like a zone run to the right, but the tight end comes back underneath, so that even if the defensive end is there, he could stick the defensive end if he has to, right. or if he over-pursues, the tight end's wide open in space. Exactly. It's, I, I mean, they're, they're going to have to, I think, solve this issue. That should be one of the top things that they go into, because you're not going to make... Pat Elfline or Dakota Dozier or Garrett Bradbury, a different human being before this game. But you can certainly make those tweaks to not make Kirk Cousins' job harder. I actually came away from the game when I watched it on the the film, aside from the horrendous interception ended, saying, you know what, I don't think Kirk had much of a chance. On some, some plays he did, but I mean, he was under pressure the whole game. I mean, and not only under pressure, but he took some really tough hits mm-hmm. in there. And I don't think people saw that. Like, as you're watching a game, I guess I've never really noticed that when you're watching the game, the camera follows the ball. So yeah. as soon as the quarterback lets the ball go, you don't see what happens to the quarterback. I used to hear what happens to the quarterback. So it was like, just don't turn around and maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't, you used don't to feel so bad every time. Like, I'm just going to go this way. Nothing happened. But, you, you know, you're... You're looking at it, and then you go watch the coach's film, and you're like, man, this guy's getting smacked everywhere. I mean, 
every single direction he's taking it. And sometimes the offensive lineman's barely out of his stance and the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball because it's just coming so fast. Mm-hmm. And, so, and a lot of these plays are trying to be chunk plays, and you can't do that with guys that are getting beat right out of their stance. Yeah, I think that they're going to have to ultimately end up using more shotgun for him to give him any sort of a chance against, especially when they play Chicago. But Oakland, not an easy matchup. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, we're going to talk about how the Vikings match up with the Raiders and some of the key one-on-ones that we are watching. When we return, Zolgad comes in for the 3 o'clock hour. We've got hot routes. Jonathan's made a buy or sell. Lots Mm. going on here on the show today. Purple Dayland, Score North. We'll be right back. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. The countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is on. It's not too late to sign up for the TC10K, TC5K presented by Fredrickson and Byron or sign up for the Medtronic TC family events featuring races for kids of all ages. To learn more or sign up, visit tcmevents.org or visit scorenorth.com keyword marathon. I got a healthy respect for Oakland's pass defense. I think they have really good players. I think the scheme is sound. I know Kansas City got some plays out there, but watching the tape, there were some unique plays made by that quarterback. So I think that we'll get a very stingy pass defense on Sunday. All right, back here, Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Viking, Alex Boone, Jonathan Harrison producing, as always. He has buyer sells coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But first, let's get to some key matchups because it's Thursday. We've turned the page from the Packers game, and now we can focus on what's going to happen at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. So, Alex, why don't you first give me your number one matchup in this game between the improved but not great Oakland Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings? I mean, you want like the number one, number no, one? Number like, one. I, I know that you have several that you're going to focus on, but what I is do. at the very top of your list? Is it Richie Incognito versus Mike Zimmer? <laughs> no. I don't know. Are you aware of the Richie Incognito tweets from last year? Because you're not on Twitter. No, I'm not. Uh, okay, so Richie Incognito. I'll, I'll make this short. Richie Incognito was under the impression that the Vikings had been interested in bringing him back, which <clears throat> might have been Oh, that's right. Total actually, lie. Yeah, yeah. might have actually been a good idea to bring him in last year. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yes, they, it turned out not to be true. It, lie is strong, maybe uh, over-exaggeration yeah. in his case. And so then uh, Zimmer said, no, we didn't do that. And Richie Incognito tweeted that he was a bleeping liar. And then he apologized, and it's Richie Incognito. So, I mean, the fact that happened. they let Richie back is a joke. I mean, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's pretty wild. All the things that he's done. I mean, like, at the funeral home, and he like went to his grandma's house and tried to fight her. I mean, just sad, dude. That's sad. But, yeah. no, I think my number one is going to have to be Vontez Perfect versus Dalvin Cook because I know 
for a fact that these two are going to meet in a hole at some point in the game. And I am so excited to see who wins this one. I'm also not sure that people realize, because they've only seen the vicious hits from Burfecht that were dirty, how good at football he is. He's a great player. Yeah, I mean, like, he doesn't test well. And a lot of guys that were really good at football, I feel like, never tested well. But their instincts were Mm -hmm. amazing. And that's what he is. Like, he knows where the ball is. He just... He's like, how is the best way to get there for me? It's not going to be this way. It's going to be to run through that guy. You know, like he's not afraid to hit people either, which is for me going to be fun because it's him and Delvin Cook in the hole. And Delvin showed me that he loves to drop his head a little bit. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. And oh, yeah. they say uh, in the football world, he runs behind his pads. It's no like question. Extremely football. But that's what he does. He runs people over as well as being super fast. Here's, I love that. Here's matchup. a question. Do you think that. When that matchup happens in the hole, one-on-one, Vontez Burfecht versus Dalvin Cook, do you think there's a flag for leading with the helmet? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, That's a serious question because if they do throw that flag, that shows you what this lead. I mean, that is not cool. Well, you just made me upset about the number of flags that happened last week. and It, it was it terrible. Just, it was obnoxious to watch. And it, yeah. It really sucks the air out of the building when you, you're trying to watch a football game and, and a receiver slightly extends his arm and it's offensive P.I. Right. And Stefan Diggs said the other day he had never had one before, and it turned out to be true. He had never had an offensive pass interference, and then he gets one on the slightest thing. And what Delvin did with Darnell Savage in the end zone was just not enough to call that and I, I really hope that we get some adaptations here after a lot of frustration from fans and media. But to your point, yeah, it's possible, but my hope would be that uh, if this matchup does uh, come to light, if it's if it's Christian Okoye and, what was it, Steve Atwater, you, you, you've seen that one, haven't you? Yeah. Steve Atwater coming through the hole and runs into yeah. Christian Okoye, it's, it's amazing. But it's kind of got that feel to it. I hope that there is no flag. Uh, I'll give you my first. Jonathan Hankins versus Garrett Bradbury. If Garrett Bradbury uh, wants a chance to kind of get back on the horse a little bit here after being dominated this week by Kenny Clark, Jonathan Hankins will not make this easy for him. He is 340 pounds, but a little bit more manageable than Kenny Clark. I feel like he just needs to have a good week in the National Football League. Are you talking about Jonathan Hankins or Garrett Bradbury? No, Hankins has had plenty. I mean Garrett Bradbury, even being his third uh, game. I, yeah, no, I think that Jonathan Hankins is trash. I thought he was trash when oh, really? I played him. Oh, he's terrible. I think he's every bit of hype. I think he's the Ohio State player that everybody thinks he's not. I mean, he is. If Garrett Bradbury was going to get any confidence week before going to see Akeem Hicks, I'm telling you right now, dude, if you're listening, you better show up this week and you better kick this dude in the face because if this is your one motivational week, it's the best week before your toughest challenge ever. Okay, well, that's that's perfect for a matchup to watch yes, him because it is. this is not Akeem Hicks. Now, I, I guess I thought he was a little bit better than, no. than you think, but... No. Uh, I mean, you've got an opportunity here against a non-elite player, or not really anywhere close, who's really just fat. And you can, you should be able to move him, right? You shouldn't allow pressures to Jonathan Hankins straight up the middle like Kenny Clark, who's a monster. So to oh, yeah. get some confidence going, it's a key matchup to me, because if he gets blown up by Hankins, who's at best, maybe had some early times in his career, and then washed, yeah, then it's not, then it's really not going to be a good look. Yeah, no, then, then, then it's really, we're all going to be kind of like, dude, what are we doing? We're, we're in a lot of trouble. Because if Jonathan Hankins is throwing you around, then Akeem Hicks is going to like laugh the whole game. <laughs> and you're going to fall over. I, I mean, I think at one point, Jonathan was like, 
the guy that everybody thought was going to be the next Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like a big, wide body dude from Ohio State, and he was intelligent. To me, he came in the league and he got lazy, and he mm-hmm. thought that maybe his name was going to carry his weight through this league, and and he forgot that a lot of guys were like, "Nah, dude, you got to prove it. Like, your name does nothing to me. I want to see you smack me in the face first. And he just never has really done that since being in the league, and he's kind of been kind of bouncing around a little bit. But I agree with you. I think that if you can't. As a center, if you can't move Jonathan Hankins and you can't get up in his grill and kind of throw him around and get him to kind of quit, you're going to have a really long season. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's reflective in his pressure numbers for the quarterbacks. Early in his career, he had some good numbers, and they've completely fallen off. Who is your next matchup to watch? I think that it's going to have to go to Trent Brown versus Daniil Hunter. And I say this because... For so long, everybody talks about Trent Brown and why he's so good. And yeah, Trent's a good player. He's not great, though. I mean, Trent is the adaptation of getting your hands on someone quickly and shutting down the fight before it even starts. You know, like, he's the guy that in the fight just grabs you and you can't move and you're like, God, why did I do that? You know, I should have went, I should have snuck him from the side. And then you try to sneak him from the side and he grabs you again and you're like, dude, this guy's arms are so long. But to me, if anybody's going to counter that, it's going to be another long-armed guy because he's going to be the one to be able to defend himself quicker. You know, I mean, when you talk about these defensive ends like Everson, they have normal arm length. You know, they they can get into traps and they can fall into a lot of tough situations. With Daniil, he can get out of those situations because he can deflect them faster. Hey, listen, my hands get me out of everything, mm-hmm. and he's one uh, to me one of the defensive ends that's longer and lanky. He's got phenomenal hands and feet. So Trent is really going to be tested this week because Daniil's not one of these guys that's like, I'm just going to keep running through you. He's like this guy that's, I'm going to run through you, I'm going to run through you, now I'm going to change it up. Now I'm going in mm-hmm. to out and out to in. you know. And that's also, knowing Trent, that's one of his weaknesses because he gets tired quickly. He's not in the best shape. He's like 450 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the dude is like the refrigerator all over. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a joke. And uh, Hunter, it, one of his moves early in his career that he kind of stuck with a lot was that long arm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably not going to work with no. someone like Brown. But he now, when you watch him on a week-to-week basis, Hunter has the total package of pass rush moves. Well, yeah, because you obviously have been in this league long enough to know that, you know, when you first come in the league as a pass rusher, you think my move is unbeatable, mm-hmm. right? And then the practice squad guy like destroys you, and you're like, wait a minute, no, this is not how college went. And they're like, yeah, dude, you need a counter move, so here's what we're teaching you. And then they start learning these counter moves. Well, then they can't just do them right away. Like They have to get beat a couple times, and they learn how to develop the counters. Daniil has skyrocketed to the top, number one, because of his physique. I mean, the guy is in incredible shape. But number two is because he's smart and he's quick, and he knows what he's doing. I know that my length can get me out of a lot of situations so I have to use my hands effectively and quickly. And besides Aaron Donald, he's pretty much the next guy that can use his hands and feet at the same time. All right, I'm going to give you one more, and then you can give me one more for okay. matchups here. I'm going to say uh, Stefan Diggs against whoever covers Stefan Diggs because it is <laughs> not a good secondary. I mean, no. Daryl Worley, their rookie uh, Trayvon Mullen, he's not going to be able to handle anything the Vikings throw at him. I think that the if the opportunities are here, if the Vikings offensive line can hold up even a little against a defensive line that's just not that great, uh, Diggs and Thielen should smoke this secondary of Oakland. They're absolutely going to smoke it. I mean, Jonathan Abrams is going on IR with the shoulder. You're right. I'm surprised they weren't in this Micah Fitzpatrick trade. I was really surprised to see them not go after a safety after theirs had just gone down for the year. Like, hey, listen, you guys are actually not in a bad situation where people thought you would be. You're mm-hmm. kind of yeah. hanging. You're hanging on. Like, you should stay in this fight. But I get it. Sometimes you're like, hey, well, that's not just for us. 
But I agree. I think that this secondary is going to get burned. The question is, is Kirk Cousins spooked early? And does that affect the, the rest of the pass game? Because right. once he starts, and you can see it early, it's how many times does he pat that ball? And where is he looking? How fast is he looking there? You know, when he starts getting jittery, I start getting nervous. Like, man, somebody better keep throwing a block. Yeah, I really, when I was reading Bruce Arian's book in the offseason, and uh, one of the things was, I always told my quarterbacks not to pat the ball. I was like, oh boy. Uh, that's something that Cousins does repeatedly. I mean, he even, gives it away. Even, yeah, even when he's on the move, sometimes having to throw, he'll pat it before he throws it, which I think can throw off the timing a little bit. Um, I, I oh, was, I like it. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what Arians was saying is that you know, patting the ball, then you have to bring it back to the spot where you were going to throw it from, so they can just throw it off ever so slightly. And I think yeah. we have seen that at times. All right, what's your uh, what's your last matchup? My last matchup is is. And I don't know. I, I'm I'm torn right now. I got two of them, and they're obviously O line, D line, because I don't think. Stunned. Yeah, I know. Shocked well, I mean, let's be that. honest. Oakland's offense—they don't have a lot of weapons besides one, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But for me, I'm gonna have to say Linval versus Richie, just because everyone talks about how crazy Richie is. He's really not. And I'm curious to see if Linville is going to start stepping up. And this is the one guy that you can go out and just manhandle, and Richie will just shut down. Richie, uh, I covered him a little in Buffalo. He's a great player, man. I mean, he might be really nuts, but he he can play. He's a monster, and I feel like when he's in his sort of safe zone, if you will, of being in an NFL locker room, he can just focus on football and not get distracted by the other things around him. Um, and so what, what's he got left, though, would be the question here. I mean, right. is he still the guy who made some Pro Bowls for Buffalo, or has it sort of taken his toll as time away from football? I mean, I, I, don't know if, I don't know where you would put him in terms of is he an elite or upper echelon oh, at his never. best. But no. I, I always thought he was pretty he – was, he was just kind of a mauler in there. He's pretty good. He was just one of those guys that would spit in your face. Like, <laughs> literally spit in your face and then punch you. Like, yeah. that was what he was. It's crazy. You know, for people to ever say that he was elite, I was like, listen, guys, I don't think we were all watching the same film. <laughs> this guy got to the Pro Bowl by a lot of dirty cuts and punching mm. people from the side of the head. Like, I get that he was a mauler and that's how he played his game, but, you know, when you're coming back from not having played in a long time and now you're serving a suspension and Linval Joseph's the first person you have yeah, to look up yeah. and see. I'm just curious. I mean, for me, all the talking that Richie's ever done, like, here's your chance, dude. So you can totally redeem yourself. Now let's see what happens. All right, let's take a quick break. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on Purple Daily. When we come back, Jonathan Harrison has put together some buy or sells with the Minnesota Vikings. We will do that next. Judd Zolgad joins the show at 3 o'clock. We'll be right back. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with the download that's brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company, offering trusted financial advice and services since 1919. We're going to use this download quickly to remind you that the Score North Fall Auction continues through tonight, 8 p.m., with great items up for grabs on home improvement, travel, heating, and cooling, and much more. To view all the items and place your bid, visit scorenorth.com, keyword auction. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily for today.
Thank you very much, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad pops in here at 3 o'clock. We've got hot routes coming up. I will give you the latest from the Jalen Ramsey situation. The uh, Jaguars owner, Shad Khan, has said, This is a team sport. I'm very sensitive to the individual needs, but we have to do the right things for the team. Which, uh, Alex, that sounds to me like, if you're trading for Jalen Ramsey, you better give us a lot. Yeah, sounds like we're we're looking for a lot, and so is Jalen, so you better be prepared for this. I mean, I just, I get it. On the outside, everyone's like, talent, talent, talent. And maybe it was because I was on the inside, but I saw what guys like that do to a team, and I saw that they fester on everybody that does good for a team, and it just turns into bad, and it's not a good thing. And I get it. We need to win right now. We're paying our quarterback a ton of money. We need to help him out. We need to win. We need to make this look good, or we're all going to get fired. But this is just not the answer to me. I guess I would have to understand better what the issues have been with him in terms of his personality to figure out if it's he is like Antonio Brown in a lot of ways and it's a ticking time bomb and it's going to ruin everybody, or if it's the situation, if it's the head coach that he doesn't get along with, because I've certainly seen this head coach not get along with other people in the past. But Um, why is that? I mean, you say that, and you say you've covered it. Like, why is why does he not get along with people? Oh, I, I think it's because, A, Doug Marone does not handle any players disagreeing with him because he's more of a college coach. And I think okay. he ha- he doesn't want to hear a players' opinions on what he's doing, which I understand you're the head coach, but these are also grown-ups. So, but- he, so he treated people in, in an NFL locker room like you would college freshmen, and that was the biggest issue that I saw. So would you say it was more stubborn or was it more arrogance? I think it was both from him. I mean, I, I think w- one particular instance with Jerry Hughes, who you know is a great player, and he said to Jerry Hughes at one point as they were um, in a heated argument uh, during training camp, he said, well, if you if you don't like it, then you can get out, which is not something that you say to an NFL player because they have a contract. They don't just get out, right? Like, I mean, yeah, but- sort of treat, just treating him like, well, I don't care about what you have to say about this. I'm just I'm worried that I mean it all looks really good, but do you think that there's any other head coach that isn't just as stubborn as Doug Marone? I think that maybe Doug Marone is the least. I mean, you, especially you're talking about coming here to Minnesota. You're talking about a coach that would tell you to get out, a, a coach that it's his way or the highway. I mean, I I think this is the last place that Jalen Ramsey should be wanting to come. Yeah, it's also a, a coach though that has dealt with some players who have had problems or who have big egos or need attention, things like that. I mean, he coached Deion Sanders, he coached Pac-Man Jones in the past. Uh, I wonder if, especially at this position, that... Yeah, but how did Pac-Man Jones go? Think about that, though. Because everyone talks... Like, I've heard people talk I mean, about as this As a player, before. it went really well. Right. I mean, so you got the most out of him. But as a person, how did it go? I mean, I feel like that whole team was riddled with those problems. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole team's problem, was that they were riddled with all these side problems. Yeah. Like, they had talent everywhere. Up and down. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, dude, you guys got some serious ballers. But you guys can't stop getting out of trouble. And you just can't lay it low and be cool and just be like every other team. Like you guys have to go out and look for trouble to me. And and to me, that's that was like the demise of the Bengals for so many years. And that's what I need to know, though. Is it 
Pac-Man Jones level, Antonio Brown level issues, or is it a personality conflict with one person, right? You know, so, because, yeah. I mean, Pac-Man Jones was going into strip clubs and fighting people. Constantly. Yeah, no, that was crazy. <laughs> I mean, that was a whole other level. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. dude, that's problematic for anybody in any job. But in fact, I'm not alone. even mad, I'm impressed. <laughs> How did you make it this long in the league? God, <laughs> right. you're amazing. Uh, no. All right, Jonathan has put together some buyer sells on Vikings players, whether we are buying uh, I guess you're gonna have to lay it out Jonathan are we are what does this mean to buy or sell on Vikings players basically just early trends that we've seen through the first two games are you buying that those trends are going to stick around for okay. the season or are you selling that that will change it'll get better okay yeah. okay gotcha. all right ramp it up then let's go we'll go with some NFL films music here as we have to and right. for hot routes next segment too you cannot play this enough no the <laughs> offense has largely gone through Dalvin Cook through the first two weeks as we've seen Guys, are you buying or selling Delvin Cook as this team's MVP this season? Go ahead, Alex. You start. I'm buying. Absolutely. What he's done so far, especially against a good Green Bay defense, I'm excited about what the future holds for this young man. I think he is uniquely gifted. This is not running backs are replaceable with Delvin Cook. So I'm going to say absolutely yes. They have to succeed behind him on the ground. I mean, I think it's not going to be easy to do, but everything starts with him. They need explosive plays, and he has the talent to provide them. So I'm going to say he does not break the all-time rushing record as he is on (laughs) pace for curly. But he's, yeah, He. I mean, you could get 18, 1900 yards out of him. And plus, he can—he's a weapon out of the pass game too. Unlike Someday, the previous all-star running back we had, at some point yes. he will be. Yeah. All right, guys. Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter lead the league with 30 pressures created so far through the first two games. Meanwhile, as Sage pointed out yesterday, the Broncos have yet to create one. <laughs> buy or sell? Everson Griffin is back. I'm saying, yeah. I'm gonna buy it. From what I've seen this year so far, he's back. I mean, he's out there running around wreaking havoc, causing problems. I mean, I'm vividly remembering him smack Aaron Rodgers last week. So yes, he's back. Did you get lined up much against Everson Griffin when you were practicing? Yeah, I practice against him all the time. I've actually played against Everson a few times. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I still host the you know zero 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 column for him. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, but, but Ev gave his tendencies away a lot back then. Hmm. So he was young. He was a young player. He is a terrifying person, I think. <laughs> right? Like to you look at his eyeballs across from you. I can't imagine that's super fun. That is hilarious that you would say that. I, I think sometimes you have to look past that. And when you play for long enough, you're like, dude, you can't scare me enough. Mm, he scares me a little. Uh, all right. Well, who's your next one? <laughs> Going back to the offense through the first two weeks, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith have caught four passes for eight yards. Buy or sell, the tight ends will remain largely invisible in this offense. Mm, what do you think, Alex? I'm going to sell that. I think that they need to come back. And these this team's turning around like, how who are we going to get open? Let's get the middle of the field open. You know, we obviously need to get quick answers. Let's get tight ends running. Like we had been talking about before, we had went to break, and in my mind I pictured like ten different ways that you can fix off a boot. And, I, and a lot of it is mostly the tight ends being your hot route and the guys that get all the yards. <laughs> That's so great. Is it like... <laughs> You know, some people think, well, what am I doing later today? You're like, how can they fix these boots? Oh, I, I was, you should have seen, like, you can start pretending like you're going to come in and whack the defensive end, and then he breaks out to the out route. I mean, you're, I, I'm magical right now. It's, I'm, so, it's so great. You, you know, your flag football team is going to be unreal <laughs> with, with your seven-year-olds. <laughs> they are. Uh, okay, well, um, well, I'll say this. They better. Like uh, it, it, the change better happen yeah. with these tight ends because if Kyle Rudolph ends up with thirty catches and Irv Smith ten, this team didn't make the playoffs. No, 
I agree with you 100%. This is the way that you're going to get defenses kind of tripping over their own shoelaces because everyone's right now is like, we need to stop the run. And then after stopping the run, it's going to be Thielen and Diggs. And then this is going to be your big break for Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph to get into the play-action game. All right, last one, Jonathan. Uh, Cousins has been hurried 14 times so far this season on just 42 pass attempts. Buy or sell that the pass protection is this bad with this team? Go ahead, Matt. Oh, I'm I'm buying that it's this bad. <laughs> I I'm, read your article, and, and I'm and I'm selling it at the to the lowest bidder. What I, I mean, what I, like this this is bad, Alex. I mean, uh. it, it might not be this week, but when they play tough teams, and they will play Philadelphia, they'll play yeah. Chicago twice more. Kansas City is no joke on their interior either. You know, they'll move Frank Clark over the guard sometimes. Yeah, Dallas has a lot of great players. I mean, this. How about Los Angeles? Two of the best edge rushers in the league. This is going to be a problem all year. Yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was just, we were just talking about your article, but you had posted one of the videos in there was, you know, um, Garrett Bradbury getting pushed back, and a lot of the reason he was getting pushed back is because no one has any self awareness as to what's going on around him. The guards are blocking nobody, but yet the center's getting driven back into the backfield. Like somebody has to step up and help him. And the and the biggest thing is communication. I mean, it's easily fixable. You just got to start talking more and start understanding. Hey, listen, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to fit in. If this doesn't look right, I'm leaving. I got to go help the tackle at this point you know there's there's a lot of that but you better get it cleaned up now because if people can get home with three i mean you're about to play some teams that with four up front are scary all right thank you very much jonathan we will have hot routes coming up next some questions from around the league some relevant to the minnesota vikings judd zolgad will be in because we can't have hot routes without judd zolgad So, uh, Alex Boone's going to stick around for the second hour as well. We will return here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red falling! Blue poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! son. Ah, uh, yes, it is that time again. We try to fit in some hot routes whenever we can. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad joins the studio. Uh, Alex Boone here as well for the next hour. Jonathan producing. All right, ramp up that NFL music again. I don't care if you have 15 minutes straight, 20 minutes straight of NFL music. That's actually good for us. Do it. Uh, so <laughs> let's begin. What's up, Booney? Let's begin. Judd, what's up? How are you, man? Good to hear from you. Always great to hear you. Uh, you too. Instant chemistry. Um, he started the show, the greatest ever. Firing everybody. I know. Alex yeah. Boone is my soulmate. <laughs> my football soulmate. I got a lot of thinking to do, okay? That was <laughs> extremely Zolgadian to come right out with whoever loses is fired. Uh, all right, let's begin with Jared Goff was asked about all the quarterbacks around the league who've been hurt, like uh, Big Ben, Cam Newton, and he said he doesn't want to test fate by talking about it too much. So I want you guys to jinx something in the NFL by talking about it. Just say something that you are jinxing someone because you don't want it to happen or anti-jinxing them because you do want it to happen. Let the jinxes begin, Judd. You're a jinxer. 
All right, so talk about <laughs> talk about something in, in a positive light, potentially, or a different light, so that it won't... Yes. So that it will you could it. do it that way. Okay. Mitch Trubisky will become a Pro Bowl quarterback. <laughs> I so badly love to see Bears QBs fail that Mitch... I want to talk about Mitch Trubisky's ability as a high draft pick to become a Pro Bowl quarterback. Beautiful jinx. That well, is... well done. All right. Uh, Alex, jinx someone. All right, uh, the Patriots are going to repeat. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had. To. I'm not sure it works with the Patriots. I... No, it works. Believe me, that that just did it for him right there. <laughs> I, 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 I want to see somebody else compete this year well, in the Super Bowl. You know, every time, every year at the beginning of the year, Brady has a bad game, and I was like, "Oh, it might be done." This well, is we'll it. See. We'll see. It's <laughs> like, and, and that's the anti-jinx, and then they go win the Super Bowl. Jonathan. Be a jinxer. Uh, the Dolphins are going 0-16. I hate when teams go 0-16. We've seen it enough over the past, what, 11 years? We've seen it twice now. Please don't let it happen again. So so you don't want them, or you do want You do want them. I do right. want you them do because want I them. don't yeah. want it to happen. But yes. Okay. So All he's right. jinxing so, it from happening. So do yes. you really want it to happen, or you really don't want it to happen? <laughs> I really don't want it to happen because it's embarrassing when teams oh, okay. lose every okay. single game. It's in the, the Dolphins' plan, Jonathan. I know, yeah, but it's embarrassing. Want. Okay, I was unclear which you which way you were jinxing. I was like, does he, does he want the Dolphins to no, have I don't. Tua? I hate it. Uh, all right, mine is Dallas is winning the Super Bowl, man. And wouldn't it be so great if the National Football League had the Dallas Cowboys in the spotlight again? It gets no better than that. It's not obnoxious at all. When the Dallas Cowboys are talked about nonstop, that All they day. become basically like LeBron James in sports when they are popular. So definitely they are my Super Bowl pick favorite. <laughs> Though I, I don't want to totally jinx Dak Prescott. Can you well, get you to just like did. No, you just did. Bit? You can't you do that. Did. No, you definitely You can't did. say let's jinx yeah. something, do it. He's and then not getting like, a contract there now either. <laughs> yeah. He's probably gonna break, he's gonna break his leg at this rate, Collar. Nice work. Whoa. Wow. Jeez, that one, Ke- Kellen, Moore, Kellen Moore is gonna go from OC to quarterback hey, for the first time. The violent ever. sport. Hey, that's uh, a is. serious question though. If Dak got hurt, would Kellen Moore be like, guys, I got this? I have I, no I idea who know the offense. Is. I really have no idea who their backup is. I wonder Kellen Moore. Like <laughs> Farf. Like, would they call Farf and be like, just give it a try, man? You've got to have some juice left. He could just do it. one for us. He's still got the arm. I know. I've seen videos of the arm. Football. The arm's not going away anytime yeah, no, soon. He doesn't have the arm. Uh, no. let's, <laughs> all right. Next hot route for you fellas. I have four today, and then we can talk about some other things. Um, a few years ago, the Jets signed Tremaine Johnson to a big deal. They thought, like, oh yeah, this is our shutdown corner. Revis the second here in New York uh, has not worked out that way at all. And now the Jets reportedly say that Tremaine Johnson does not love football. So I want you guys to give me a player that you were pretty convinced did not love football, even if they were good. So it doesn't have to be someone who's terrible. And uh, how about the guy who uh, played in the league begins Alex Boone? Mm, that's a good one. All right, so I could do a lot of guys. <laughs> a lot of guys. But I know didn't care. Just like that bothered me to the point, some of them. But here's a guy. I'm going to give you a hometown guy. Laquan Treadwell. Really? Okay. Yes. Bothered can, me. His yeah. fakeness always bothered me. Like I can the, see that. The I'm Go tough, on. the I'm going to fight you, the I'm going to spar in the locker room with Adrian Peterson, but then I can't catch a 10-yard hitch route. Like, 
Dude, what are we talking about right now? You are so annoying with your fakeness. It just bothered me. We just rewind that to the sparring with Adrian <laughs> Peterson part. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they would get in there and they'd start wrestling around. I'd be like, dude, you didn't catch one ball today, but you have the energy to go out here and wrestle <laughs> Adrian Peterson. I, Good for you. So I guess there was more to it with Mike Zimmer saying that he's focused on the wrong things as yeah. opposed to learning how to run routes. Yeah, I could, nice. I could completely buy it that Laquan Treadwell got the first round money and was like, that's good enough for me. Good enough. All right, Judd, how about you? The Cowboys backup quarterback, by the way, is Cooper Rush. If you've ever so heard of Cooper Rush, right. if you've ever heard of Cooper <laughs> Rush, you win. You win the back the Cowboys prize. Uh, okay, mine is very, very simple, and I covered this guy, and I think he made a Pro Bowl or two, and phenomenal off the charts athlete. But I don't think he ever enjoyed the sport. Bryant McKinney. Mm-hmm. But he was a great player. He, he was got a- kicked out of a Pro Bowl, didn't he? Well, no, because yeah. no, he, he he it was in Miami, his hometown, and he yeah. quit going to practices. Yeah, so he got kicked off the team. They're like, go home. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I am home. This is great. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) But Bryant McKinney was a guy, he had the size. And I think, Alex, if Bryant McKinney had applied himself, he's in Canton today without a question. Mm -hmm. He had that talent. But I don't think he ever really gave a damn about the sport. 100%. Totally just instinctual player. Just kind of like, hey, I'll line up here and do a little bit of this. I, I'm with you. I used to think if this guy ever applied himself, he'd be scary. Like he could have been the next Jonathan Ogden, you yes. know, or Zeus, or like yep. one of these guys that you're like will forever go down in Canton. But no, he was lazy, didn't care, didn't want to care. This is a great, great choice, Judd. Thank you, Jonathan. Mine was a guy who was at the end of his career. He probably cared during the main portion of his career when he was in his prime. Emmett Smith, when he was playing for Arizona, oh, just yeah, played for the record. That's all he played for. I yeah. saw. I covered That's... a Packers Cardinals game at Sun Devil Stadium. Pretty tough. It was cringeworthy. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you one that goes off the uh, board a little bit here, but a guy by the name of Rodney Adams, who is a fifth round pick out of University of South Florida, I believe. They brought him in, and they were talking about how he's going to be a playmaker. They were going to use him like they used Patterson in 2016. Lots of screens, and he could make plays. And his college tape was actually pretty impressive. I know it's South Florida, but he made plays, and he was a, a good kick returner. So they're like, okay, we're going to make you a punt returner. I've never seen punts bounce off someone's helmet, bounce off someone's shoulder pads. And then this guy would, well, it was during training camp. He's trying to make the team was doing a series of video blogs on YouTube. And so, the of course, people that I talked to were like, uh, not a real smart choice for a fifth-round pick. If you're a first-rounder, you can right. video yourself doing whatever the hell you want. Uh, but a fifth-rounder, really? And then where I knew it was over is the season started. He kept doing them after making the roster somehow. And he was had one video in particular where he was walking out of Winter Park, and he was talking about, like, yeah, it's it's really a job in the NFL. It's like you just really got to show up early and leave late, and uh, you know it's tougher than you guys think. And I'm like, oh man, you are bleeped. And he actually quit football entirely. The Vikings cut him, the Colts picked him up, and he just said, "Nah, I retire." Wow. He just said, "That's it. I can't handle this." So Rodney Adams for you. All right, our uh, our next hot route. In the greatest headline I may have ever seen in my life, the New Orleans Saints signed Ray Ray Armstrong and promoted Lil' Jordan Humphrey. <laughs> what? <laughs> that really happened. Ray Ray and Lil' Jordan are now I played playing with Ray the Saints. Ray. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ray Ray was great. I played with Ray Ray. Where? Arizona? <laughs> no, not in San Francisco. San Francisco, he was, yeah. He was great. Okay. I loved Ray Ray. And uh, I, I still need an explanation on how the guy ended up with the name Lil Jordan. But, Me uh, too, dude. Yeah. Me too. Yep. Um, so anyway, those two are part of the receiving core in New Orleans. I want you guys to give me your favorite NFL player name ever. Right, well, Alex Schoenigel. Mine's easy. I played with this guy, and it was always Takeo Spikes. Oh, yes. As a linebacker. It was the perfect name for him because he would, the TKO, and he had, like, the whole symbol and, like, a cool little mantra to (laughs) it. And the fact that I got to play with him when he was, like, year 16 was just awesome because he was a crusty vet. And I was like the fresh rookie, like, oh, dude, I'm so excited to be here. And he was like, dude, if you ever get in my way, I'll kill you. (laughs) And how about his neck? Oh, he didn't have a neck. All he had was traps. He was so big, and he'd get so into it. And, you know, he used to make fun of Singletary all the time. Like, he'd come out in Singletary's helmet and stuff and be running around. And it was he was one of the funniest guys, greatest natural leader I ever met. That's awesome. This guy just got cut, but it's a great name. And I hope he gets picked up because I'm amazed he flamed out so quickly. Taco Charlton. Oh, yeah. Taco a man Charlton. named Taco. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and nickname-wise, I've got one for you. The greatest, Billy White Shoes Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Billy White Shoes Johnson and is I, such a good nickname. And I think yeah. Taco is the guy's real name. I think it, it is, is yes. It's not like they just call him that because no, I think, love tacos. I think it's Taco Charlton. Because if that taco. was the case, then I would agree with that. Um, Jonathan. I followed sort of the lines that Boone had with the great name for the position he played. Debrickashaw Ferguson. Mm. Was there a better yes. name yes. for an offensive lineman in the history of the NFL? And what a player. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Great player. But like that name is just fitting for what the position he played. The offensive line for the Jets at that time, it was like Debrickashaw and Mangold. And I think Damian Woody may have been there, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that line oh now might be one of the worst in NFL yeah. history. Yeah, oh boy. I'm going to go with the guy who has bounced around quite a bit, and it always makes me laugh or brings joy just every time I hear his name. Barcavius Mingo. Barcavius. <laughs> Barcavius. It sounds I, I like... Barcavius. Whatever. Bar- <laughs> either way. Barcavius, Barcavius. Does it change it, it if it's Barcavius? It's the best. No, it's better. No, uh, it's uh, when it, I mean, if you're messing with your friend, it would be like, we have Declan here, so I'll be like, it's short for Declonius. And that, like that would be like this. It's like, what? What's the short version? You know, Matthew is Matt, or right. Al- Alexander to Alex. Barcave is just bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Call him bark. <laughs> That's so great. All right, guys. Um, Daniel Jones says he feels ready to play for the Giants. I don't know what else he would say. Like, oh, guys, we're screwed. Um, but uh, he's going to come in. He's going to play probably the rest of the season. Eli's done. This includes a matchup with the Vikings. I want you to predict. You can start with this one, Judd. Predict the final stat line for young Daniel Jones of Duke. Okay, ideally uh, he would come in and probably not throw as much, uh, but it's 2019, so it's probably foolish to think that. I'm going to go 3,200 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 13 picks, which is basically very similar to the uh, statistics that Eli put up in 2017 at the age of 36. So are we doing for the whole year? or just Yeah, just, the-, the, rest, just yep. the rest of the year. Rest of the year. Okay. So I was around yours. I was going to say 3,000 yards. I don't know if I'd get as crazy as you, but I was going to say 15 <laughs> I'm touchdowns. going nuts here, Alex. You are getting a little up. I mean, wait, I mean, even 3,000, that's a lot. Yeah. Like, you think about this, He just, the, the weapons around him are mostly his running back. So he's gonna, they're going to have to be smart over in New York. But uh, I think 15 touchdowns, I think more 
16, 17 interceptions. Hmm. Jonathan? I, I had sort of around there 2,700 yards. I had the lowest amount of passing yards from U3 so far. 15 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. I say they're going to play from behind a lot, and so he will rack up some yards because they'll just have to throw, right. and that he will end up with, I'm going to go 13 touchdowns, but I'm only going four picks. I think that Daniel Jones is going to be a safe quarterback. Really? Yeah, wow. I, I think a lot. Whoa. there's going to be a lot of checkdowns to Saquon Barkley. Pat Shermer is going to design a lot of screen passes to Saquon, and they're going to try and play it safe and win that way with Daniel Jones. So Four picks would be... Surprisingly that's, good. Yeah, that'd be even if he's, is that possible? He is it yeah, it's possible. I mean no. he's he's a smart quarterback. I mean, I could be really wrong. I don't know. This, you could be as smart as you want, and Duke could be one of the greatest schools in the world, but when you're looking <laughs> down the barrel of some of these defensive ends, yeah. that all the books go out the window. I mean, I get it. And I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones, and I thought I saw this coming a long time ago. Like Eli's already been washed and they've already benched him, so they can do it again and it doesn't look as bad. So Pat Shermer's like, Thank you so much, McAdoo. But looking back when you're talking about defenses pinning their ears back and coming after these guys, the screen game sounds all well and good, but you're still not going to win any game off of that, and you still have to throw the ball. I mean, you're going to be stuck in some long situations, and they're going to force him to make some bad decisions. Isn't it fun to call people washed? Like, I, Just since we started doing it to Aaron Rodgers, I've gotten I like a cooked. lot of enjoyment. You, I, I prefer cooked. <laughs> like, Xavier guy, Rhodes is cooked. This guy's washed. This guy's, you do say Aaron Rodgers is washed a lot. Uh, I haven't heard the, the Xavier Rhodes is cooked. Uh, yeah, Xavier is we, cooked. I think um, he's cooked. But 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 Roger's second half looks pretty washed to me. Just saying. So uh, you let's, just wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> Famous last words when he uh, gets the MVP trophy. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will return. Judd Zelgad, Alex Boone. It is Purple Daily here on Score North. Join Dan Tara, Kendrick Isenabin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday afternoon from Minnesota United as they travel out west to take on the Portland Timbers with pregame at two thirty, kickoff at three, right here on Score North on AM fifteen hundred, ScoreNorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. I usually say what I think, say what I'm, you know, what I believe, whatever that is, and so I did. I say what I think and, you know, what we have to do to improve and areas that we all need to get better at, and I'm just upfront with them and honest. That's just how I am and probably how I'll always be. Um, sometimes they don't like it. Some I don't care. Sometimes they do like it. I don't care about that either. Well, that was about the most Mike Zimmer quote that I've ever heard. Um, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad here as the Vikings go into. Guys, how do you want to characterize this? Like, I can't really call it a trap game. Usually trap games are for good teams facing bad teams or looking too far ahead. But we're not yet sure about either one of those things. I don't think that the Raiders are great. I don't think that the Vikings are bad. But I, I don't think we're in a position to call it a trap game. What would you call this, Alex? I'd say this is a scary game. Scary game is a good way to put it. Because when you're looking at this, everything says the Vikings should win, right? Like the, 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 the way the Raiders season has already started, the Antonio Brown fiasco alone makes me think that this team is so disoriented. But then they come out week one on Monday night and they show us different. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. No, that's not how it's supposed to go. What's going on? Now they kind of have a little bit of a run game. Derek Carr's still a mediocre quarterback, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, agreed. But. You know, you can ride a running back for a while and let the passing game catch up. The question is, can the defenses stop these running games? You know, that's going to be the biggest question come Sunday is can the Vikings defense stop the run game of Oakland and can Oakland stop the run game of the Vikings? And whoever does will win the game. 
So, what's it like right now coming off the Packers game internally at TCO? Uh, how how wired up does Mike get in, in weeks like this where there's clearly pressure on? And, and I guess conversely as well, what's the attitude of a team like when, I, I would say it's probably safe to say that they would never admit this, but you flat out really don't trust your quarterback right now. Right, yeah. What's I mean, that like? Uh, Mike's definitely, there's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of finger pointing. <laughs> there's a lot, I mean, that's just how it goes. And you saw it every year. I mean, I was on a few very, very rare team that did finger pointing, that didn't do finger pointing. I mean, it was like when somebody messed up, they would openly be like, that was my fault. It won't happen again. And it didn't. There was only one team I was on that was like that. And then after that, it's always this time of year, people are finger pointing. And the problem is everyone's finger pointing at the same guy, like you said. And, and then as an offensive lineman, you're like, I have to protect my quarterback. What do I do? Where am I stuck in this scenario? And so kind of the reason that he's in his predicament is because my group isn't playing very well, but everyone notices him because of his money and he's not having the completions and he's not throwing the games that he should be. So uh, you put the players in a bad scenario because everyone is kind of pointing fingers and the defense is mad at the offense and then the offense is mad at the O-line and it's like, oh man, this is just getting ugly. Yeah, and you could see that, I mean, from last week, if the defense feels like they did their job outside of early on in that game and gave up 21 to Aaron Rodgers, which is not bad, and you still can't come up with a win, um, you, you already are sort of setting the table for this conversation to be had inside the team for the rest of the season. Now, what I see from out there at TCO Performance Center is a lot of guys going to the podium trying to say, you know, it's, it's uh, just one bad game and we're turning the page and everything else, but... I'm not buying that from the body language and from the way that the questions are being answered. And I'll tell you, um, if you want to know one way to always understand when someone's lying to you, it's when they use words that you would never normally use. Right. And so when Mike Zimmer says unequivocally, I believe in <laughs> Kirk Cousins, you're like, Mike, that is the first time in your life you've said unequivocally. You don't say unequivocally, I want the uh, this guy to hit the B gap. Like, that's not how you talk. Right. You talk like an old football man. You don't say things that politicians say. So I think you can see from Thielen to Stefan Diggs had his most insightful press conference in three years, which tells me something's off. Like, right? Because he never does that. If he, if he has 15 catches and three touchdowns, he'll go to the podium and be like, I don't even remember the game. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And I think he just doesn't want us to keep hyping it up, or I don't know what his motivations are exactly, but that's that's how he is. So he comes to the podium, and this week he's got tons of things to say about how, you know, hey, that play on me, I could have made a play, and and I got my quarterbacks back and all this stuff. Like, are you guys trying to convince us or yourselves? And right. there's there's a there's kind of a vibe there. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, guys, is always trying to convince himself. There's no doubt in my sure, mind. Sure. He's telling you he's good because he doesn't necessarily believe it in my mind. I, I could see that. And I could see a lot of the guys around him not believing in him. And sometimes they have to oversell it. Like you said, when you start using words that you're unequivocally, come on. That's not even, that's, <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't even say that in the football world. Right. You know, and... and <laughs> My question has always been this, because I always like things black and white with the coaches that I played for, and I always made it very clear that as tough as you would be on me, I'm going to be just as tough on you, so expect it back. And so I never really bothered me when a coach would say the truth because he just let it out, and I was like, okay, great. He, he, that's how he feels, and we're going to you know, work on it. We'll let it go. Why do coaches hide behind all the politicalness? Why go out there and say, I totally – why not go out there and say, yeah, you're right. Our quarterback's a liability right now. We're going to fix the problem. I mean, I, what, what are you hiding? You're not. Can I take a shot at that? Us. 
Yeah, go ahead. Because, and I think it pains Mike to do exactly that. I think that Mike knows that Kirk can't take it. I think I think everybody, and this is just then you need my to get guess. Rid of him. No, I but I think I see what I see is a guy perpetually trying to boost himself up because he doesn't believe he's that good. I think Kirk Cousins has the physical God given gifts to be very good, but I think between the years the guy is a mess, and the problem is Zimmer knows that because look, Case Keenum he questioned continually, right? Right. Sam, I think he got along with uh, Teddy. He he loved him, but I but I never felt that, that he went kid gloves. What I see right now in Mike is a guy who's treating his quarterback with complete kid gloves because he knows he can't take more than that. Right. But I mean, when you're talking about a professional athlete, when you're like, this is the best our team can do. Why lie about it? Why sit out there and, and throw out sure that everybody can read right through it and go, that's not true. I mean, I just, as a player, I always wanted it straight, whether it was in the media, whether it wasn't, you know, there's ways about doing it. But one of the ways that as a player, you don't like it is when people are sugarcoating it and you see through it. You know, that's when it bothers guys. So for, to me, I think coaches think, Hey, listen, I'm going to be nice about this. The player's going to really like this, but it, we see through it because you're right. You start saying, things that you wouldn't normally say you start doing things that you wouldn't normally do you start you know bringing up scenarios that aren't normally relevant you're like what is this guy even talking about (laughs) this has nothing to do about you're like wait he's just trying to distract us from the real problem oh i get what he's doing you know and it's to me it just it's never been a popular thing in the locker room and one of the funniest things from our perspective is going back to the media room being like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like well, oh yeah, yeah. You fooled us again. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is. It is funny. Now, I I think that the I think the rest of the team, including Mike, are in a pretty tough spot with Kirk Cousins because. I don't know that he's a guy that can handle people being very harsh toward him. I think he wants everyone to like him. I think every he wants everyone to feel like he's their guy and everything else. And he was even trying to tell us that on the final drive there in the huddle, he was saying, oh, I was trying to pump up Delvin. I was trying to pump up Alexander Madison. And can you imagine those guys' faces like, okay, Kirk, all right, just give me the football. Please stop. Whatever you're doing right now to try and convince us that you're being a leader, just hand me the football. Thank you. I mean, it just seems like he if he's been called things like phony, including maybe once by me in an extreme rant. But I think it's more of just not really comfortable. And with Lamar Jackson, this is really uh, a guy that I've looked at from even his time in college as someone that just has command of everybody out there. And right. he's shown it in Baltimore, too, that even when he couldn't throw the football last year, it seemed like guys really bought into him. And he just has like a very natural personality. So when they showed him after the, the win where he threw for the perfect passer rating and they were giving him the game ball and he pretended to be a running back and everybody burst out laughing, it was like, this guy is so relatable to everybody right. around him. Mahomes seems to have that. There are a lot of players who have it. And when you don't, I think it makes everybody anxious around him. I don't know if it's anxious or if it's just nervousness. You know, when, when a guy comes into a room and it's really like every other room that we're guys that we walk into, when somebody tries too hard, you're like, nah, dude, stop, stop right now. Like, this is not who you are. This is not what you're about. We get it. You just don't be that guy. And it, the quarterbacks always want to be that guy. For me, it was always funny because Kaepernick always wanted to be a fighter. Like, whenever a fight would break out after a play, Kaepernick always wanted to be in the middle of it. <laughs> and it was like, to me, it was always like, what are you doing? 
And he'd be like, dude, I, I got your back. And I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> and so we're going into Oakland at halftime, and you have to go in the same entrance, but you split left and right once uh-huh. you get into the entrance. And so we're in a really heated game, and Antonio Smith is playing out in Oakland, and him and I are like going at it the whole game, face masking each other. I mean, we're gouging each other's eyeballs. I mean, I wanted to kill him at one point. And so Kaepernick starts talking smack to him as we're walking into the locker room. So Antonio starts like going through coaches to get to him, and then I'm going through my coaches to get to Antonio. And finally, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, man, I just had to make sure that it was still intense, and I wanted to keep the mood right. I'm like, dude, stop. What are you doing? Like, you're doing too much. You're a quarterback. You're not that guy. This is all a facade. You're not trying to be a fighter. But when you're a quarterback and you do that, you piss the rest of the team off. (laughs) It's like you're kind of mocking me. You know, like, I'm not trying to be a fighter, but if the fight's going to break out, I have to be ready for it. Here you're like, oh, I'm the quarterback. Nobody can hit me. Dude, someone's going to hit you. It's just like Kirk. Dude, eventually they're going to catch on to you. Stop trying to be too much. Just be Kirk Cousins. Be the nerdy quarterback that wants to be the <laughs> talk about numbers and stats and be excitable about that. Guys would respond so much more than if you're trying to hype a guy up like right before the last series. And, and now, too, the, the thing about Kirk that I think is in, if he does not turn things around quickly, going to drive people absolutely nuts, too, yeah. is, is the new accept blame, Kirk. Last year, he probably blamed other people too much. But now, every time, Alex, that something goes wrong, including after the third preseason game, he gets up there and starts saying, this is on me, and this is me, and i got to do more, and me, 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 me. And it's like, okay, dude, you're being paid $84 million over three years to be successful. So the so the the... I might not be the quarterback here line right. is going to get tiresome really quickly. I just, I think Kirk, and, and this is not exclusive to him, I think Kirk is an athlete at a high profile position playing the role as he thinks an actor would. Right. It's, you know, Favre. Favre was the greatest. Why? Because he'd snap, he he'd snap folks with their towels, his right. towel. He'd <laughs> tell folks, he'd tell fart jokes, but that was Brett. But that's who he was. Right. And he was he was naturally a funny guy. Like, hearing stories with guys that play with him, they're like, dude, Brett didn't have an off switch. Like, he was always on. He was always funny. He was always ready to go. He was always at 100. And I'll tell you what, if he ever did get into a fight, he'd have knocked your teeth out. Like, they're like, dude, he was one of those guys. A guy's guy. And you're like, man, that's a cool quarterback. But you see it. We, and I think it pisses everybody off because when you see a quarterback that's kind of not being himself and being a little too too engaging and too likable and too into it, you're like, dude, stop. It's not cool. Like, Just be who you are, and I would respect you so much more. It's interesting that last year he did a touchdown dance that he stole from Adam Thielen. Now, this might sound really silly, right? But we ask other players. I didn't do this, but, you know, TV people. And right. so they, they ask. I'm glad that you get that. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you know, Anthony Barr, what would you think of the touchdown dance? Because clearly I'm putting together a thing on the touchdown dance. And so Anthony goes, yeah, you know, uh, I guess there were times probably earlier when he first got here that I thought he was pretty phony. But I guess that's just him. And it was like, wait. Did you just say that you thought that he was phony when he got here? And I think it just was a little bit of a window into these guys were trying to figure him out last year. And then he alienated people by throwing them under the bus. And now, like you're saying, Judd, 
I would prefer, of course, that the quarterback takes responsibility. But you can only play this card so many times. If they don't play well against Oakland, he comes out and says, well, I wish they'd just put me on a boat and send me to sea because I was so bad. You're going to be like, no one's buying this now, right? right? Especially if the offensive line plays like this again. So it is. I think it's been a serious challenge for him going from the little engine that could in Washington, a fourth-round pick, oh, you're, you're better, you beat out RG3 because his knee fell apart, like, to... Everything is on you. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. So even when the O-line looks like a complete disaster, and like you said, Alex, some guys didn't even look like they knew who to block on Sunday. It's, it's, uh, you know, now that he's going to put it all on himself, in a way, he's kind of like asking for this type of pressure to be ramped up. And here's a question for both of you guys. Patrick Royce texted me this earlier today. If it doesn't go well in like the second quarter by, of this Sunday. Does him get fired? No. Is he getting booed? Is Cousins getting booed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he might come out getting booed. Yeah, I was going to say. Hey, listen, there's a lot of pressure on this guy, but there should be a lot of pressure. You get paid a lot of money. And I think people look at me sometimes and they get mad. They're like, you should defend players. And I do defend players. But when you're talking about the way a guy's playing, if it's the truth, it's the truth. I'm sorry. And when you get paid a lot of money, you're going to take a lot of criticism. But when you don't perform, well, that's when people get really pissed. So if you're by the... By the end of the first quarter, if you're not performing well, yes, you're going to get booed really loud. If he throws a pick or fumbles, that place Ooh. is going to light up, Matthew. Yeah, that place is going to be because because the 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 first year, oh, it's not Cousins' fault. The offensive line stinks. Oh, blah blah. That's no, that's over. that's gone now, man. Yep. Over. It, and if he, you know what, if he takes off and tries to gain a first down like he did in Green Bay, and he gets hit and fumbles. He is going to get annihilated by by that fan base, and at this point, you know what? I can't blame him. Yeah, yeah. I really can't blame him, you guys. But here's the here. My question is though, it's not so much him as as like Matt's article talking about the hot routes and all this stuff. Like people just still don't get it. Like it can't all fall on the quarterback. There has to be an outlet somewhere where the quarterback can always read or get out of a scenario, and you're just not seeing that anymore. And I don't know why you're not seeing it. Like you would think if I was Gary Kubiak, like, hey, I got a quarterback that's under a lot of frustration, a lot of pressure. This guy clearly needs a quick answer on every single play. But now I'm not going to give it to him because I need to really sell the run front side you don't need to sell it that bad you need to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands yeah i I mean i was really astonished by how poorly those plays went and how clear the packers were like oh we know this (laughs) we right right, right from the very side i mean you can even see i forget who the player is the defensive tackle but you can even see him be like oh I know this. Like, there's a sort of that, like, just, oh, I'm going to burst straight upfield before the, even Dean the Lowry. fake has happened. Oh, Dean Lowry. Yeah, before yeah. the fake has not even been completed. Straight and, up he's, field. and he's like, oh, I know what's happening. I'm right, right there. And that is, in part, the cause of the interception because he gets right in Cousins' face. Then Cousins panics in a split decision and just right. wings it up there. And, of course, it should have gone in the stands. But it's also the play design that goes into it. It's the play call. It's the decision. So explain to me what's going on, then. Well, what? Well, um, where we talked about this before, but the the problem is they don't have a hot route. Number one, you should somebody should always be coming back, and we would always call it a hide route because you're supposed to hide as you go across. The offensive line is supposed to hide you, okay. and then all of a sudden you squirt out the back, and you're, you're either going to freeze that defensive end because the problem is when you have nobody coming back, well, that defensive end is just going to go right, okay, go right to the intersection point. We have nothing to worry about. Nobody's going to hit me, and at the I might be able to tackle two guys. If I can get there fast enough, so 
when you have a hider that comes back, he is either number one going to hit this guy and just knock him off his feet or slow him down, and then he's going to become your hot route right away, and you're guaranteed at least five yards from it, but we don't see it anymore. It's just we're trying to sell too much to the play side. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised that there hasn't been uh, a few tweaks in there, especially after it didn't work the first time. You talked about last week going into halftime and making adjustments, and right. the first couple times it didn't work, you would have thought, okay, well, we, we better fix yeah. this. And especially, why the hell are you calling it in the biggest moment when they've blown it up three straight times. I mean, that right. is, to me, you know what, baffling. You know what else we used to do? And this was always such a great idea, and this was a Mike Solari thing. Like, you want to talk about attention to detail. Guys, we sat in meetings for hours and listened to, like, foot placement. But he would have the backside tackle take three steps upfield because that's what, what it would normally look like to a backside defensive end on zone, right? You would see the tackle go away, but not just go away, he'd climb. So that mm, made it yeah, feel more yeah. real. Like there was the simplest thing, and it sucked everybody in because the defensive ends would tell us as soon as you guys step, I know for a fact I'll never see you do that except for on a boot, right? Because yeah. you're full on open and go. But when you send that tackle up three steps, because you, an old lineman can be three to four yards downfield, he just can't be any farther. Mm-hmm. We would send him out there. You not only do you get the defensive end to close super fast, you get the backside linebacker to suck right up. And all of a sudden, your hider becomes open. Your over route is wide open. I mean, you have guys everywhere. And, and Solari used to have us do this, and it worked every time. Football. That was so good. I am You're overwhelmed. Welcome. We need to I mean, take a break. I'm taking mental notes right now. I, I just learned like four terms I can drop on ca- in casual conversations. Amazing. Hey, honey, you know what I, I heard today? The hide route. The hider. How about the hider? Uh, speaking of that, Jonathan and Declan have been keeping track of things about football that Alex yes. said that they didn't understand. So we're doing that next, that you're going to break down some terms that were used on Tuesday and today that uh, need clarification. And also, we'll get your prediction for what happens in Oakland. We'll do that. Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar will be right back here on Purple Daily. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here with this download brought to you by Modest Brewing Company. The countdown to the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon Weekend is on. If you're not running, be one of the 4,000 volunteers who will make this annual community jewel sparkle. Whether you help at the expo or on the course or at the finish line, you'll find your efforts satisfying and appreciated. Visit tcmevents.org forward slash volunteer to learn more and sign up. If you missed it yesterday, over at scorenorth.com, Matthew Collar made his case for the Vikings to trade for Jalen Ramsey. That speculation got a little bit more juice to it this morning as Josina Anderson of ESPN tweeted out, I'm told Jalen Ramsey is fine playing Thursday night football tonight, but a source just told me he doesn't anticipate being a member of the Jags next Sunday. Teams like Kansas City, Baltimore, Minnesota, Oakland, Philadelphia, Seattle have all made substantive inquiries, but my understanding is almost every team has at least placed a call. Vikings fans, your thoughts on the Vikings trading for Jalen Ramsey? Let us know over at scorenorth.com. Scorenorth.com and Scorenorth on Twitter, at SKORNorth on Twitter. If you're going to a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing Company, located only two blocks from the Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of -of one-of-a-kind super drinkable craft beers. For a full menu of their craft beers, go to ModestBrewingCompany.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily for today. Oh, the Minnesota Vikings, man. It just, it never stops. It never, People are upset on Twitter. They say lay off Cousins. They say, Kirk, you hate Kirk. Weird time to throw that out there. Actually, at, at one point, though, 
I forget whether I said this on the air or off the air to someone, but like after watching the game is what we were talking about, and Alex Boone, you broke this down at ridiculous levels of football, but I actually, after watching the tape back, I thought, you know what? I mean, the interception, both of them are on him. And there was an overthrow or two that were on him. So he didn't have a good day. And I'm not going to defend that. But there were so many snaps that he took that he had no chance of a successful football play. Just 0%. No one makes the play unless you have Steve Young, maybe. Right? Like, unless you had this uh, Randall Cunningham where you can't tackle him. And then he could run for a first down or something. But there were so many plays, Alex, where there was just like no shot for this guy. So I actually ended up feeling like he played badly, but it's overstated because of the circumstances that went on. I agree. And uh, we just talked about a lot of it was there's no hot routes. And not only that, but, you know, when you're talking about this this passing game, I don't feel like there's anything quick throws. There's no quick yeah, throws. Where yeah. the, you know, like get the playmakers the ball. I get it. Stephon Diggs, we want him to run his awesome route that he loves to run. But I want to see you throw him the ball right now, and I want to see what he does. I want to see him start running around the field. I want to see Thielen get the ball quick. I need to see these guys yep. get the ball. It, it, to me, it's like it's either going to be a wide zone, some form of a wide zone, or a shot play. And it's like everything in between is these little five-yard hitches and these little five-yard hitches and these little five and it's like, dude, come on, open up this offense. Let's hit up the middle more. We need to start throwing more things quickly, too. It's just, it's driving me nuts. What if John Filippo was right about stuff? Like, I, I'm not saying he was a great offensive coordinator, but, I mean, that putting him in the shotgun and using quick throws, he may have just had to with the yeah. offensive line that was so poor. So I, I, that's, like, worth monitoring as we go along. Like, did he have actually some of the right answers? Um, I think he did, and he, the problem was he didn't have a run game to complement Yeah, him. And all of a sudden you're seeing a run game, and we're saying, hey, listen, get the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands quicker. <laughs> well, it's a little bit of both, you know, and, and who was right and who was wrong. I mean, I think Filippo was trying to let there be a run game, but what can you do when Dalvin's hurt? I mean, you're trying as much as you can. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. And using him on the pitch count was just a, a very, yeah. very bad plan. All right. Yes. Jonathan, yes. you and Declan kept track of things you didn't understand this week. There were many. Oh so I want you to pick a couple, and Alex Boone yeah. will explain them to you. We'll start off with the first one Declan texted me today. 94 power. 94 power, Alex. Everybody knows 94 Not power. Everyone. Everybody, that's the that's what that's what power is called. Ninety four power. When the guard pulls around, you have a deuce block or it's a tray block if it's an odd front, which is a double guard bubble. So you have your tackle and your tight end traying the defensive end to the backside linebacker, and then the guard's going to pull around and hit the mic, and then Dalvin Cook's going to go and split it, and Vontez Perfect is going to either get hit really hard or he's going to hit somebody. That's right. That's 94 power, Jonathan. 94 did you catch power. all that? I, I did. Review the tape on that later. <laughs> that was so good. All right. What's the next one? Uh, next up, G plays. You said it on Tuesday. What G the plays. hell are G plays? Uh, so it like, sounds like something completely different outside okay. of football. Everybody, everybody sit down for a minute. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take a second. So anything that... <laughs> Anything yeah, that like we talk about. minutes, okay? All right, listen. Anything that takes a backside guard pulling to the other side, so across the center would be the other side, that's called an O play or a power play. Anything that involves the guard pulling front side, to, so to the side that he is, he's pulling that way. So if I'm a left guard, I pull to the left. That's considered a G play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a bad that's pretty simple, yeah. I could have made it a little bit worse. It gets a little more intricate, but we'll keep it short and sweet. Okay, what else you got, John? I'll go with one you just said. What's a shot play? 
What are we talking about there? Oh, deep shot, baby. A shot okay. play. No risk it, no biscuit, as B.A. would have said. Yep, throw it down the field. All right, Let's uh, the, go, one, the one that uh, really had Declan the other day. Shot play, ma- making, making faces. Uh, and this one um, is great once you start looking for it. The mic point. Yep. The mic point, baby. <laughs> what about it? <laughs> <laughs> Just explain what the mic point is. <laughs> the, okay, listen. For those that don't know about the mic point, everything starts with the mic point. You can't even have a defense without the mic. I have to know who the mic is. Like when you talk about the defense, you talk about where's the defensive line. That's are they an over, under, odd, even? Am I in a spinner look? Am I in a bat look? Am I in a radar? What am I doing? The next is where's my mic? Because the mic will control everything. And if you notice, the center will always point the mic. Yep. And if the quarterback doesn't like it, he'll go up and say, no, no, no. Hey, 54 is mic, new mic. Or he'll say Rocco or Loco to tell this to the line, hey, he mic'd this guy, but I want you to slide it one more to the right. And so now you see everybody look up and look around, guys. Like, okay, I got it. Whoever the mic is is pretty much who the center is always responsible for. So on all your zone plays, the center normally always goes to the mic. So that's why as a guard, if I'm backside, I know I have the next linebacker after the mic. And if I'm frontside, I know I have the next linebacker play side to the mic. So it's... Everything is dependent on the mic, but everybody sees the mic differently. Some guys count strong to weak. Some people count weak to strong. It's just, who do you believe? Okay, so I'm just going to tell a very quick story, and then I want you to tell me what you think happens in this game Sunday. Uh, When Sam Bradford was traded here in his first Mm -hmm. press conference, he was asked by a reporter, Hey, Sam, isn't there some element of just going out there and slinging the ball around? And Sam looked at him for like like a three count. One, two, three. And he just goes, No. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> no, that's not like what? Uh, I, I'm not surprised Sam didn't say more. Sam was extremely intellectual, and nobody really knew that about Sam. Was that he loved the X's and the O's? And yeah. that's what he he enjoyed that more than actually playing the game. Was like dialing things up. Hmm. And in the huddle, he'd be like, "Hey, listen, I know this says X looky, but if we get this look, I want you to do the seam route, or I want you to hook it." And he it was like, "Wow, this dude's like dissecting things in the huddle." Like he's like, "Listen, it'll be fine," and it was great. And I'm not surprised he liked that, but you can't play football in the NFL if you don't know who the mic is. Everything is dependent on that. So look for the mic point next time you'll you're watching. You'll see it. Listen, and I'll let you know. The mic. Yeah. You'll right. know, and you can tell too how smart the center is by how many times the quarterback has to new mic things. Interesting. Uh, Watch. Okay, tell us what happens on Sunday, Alex. I think the Vikings rebound. I think that they, you know, Dalvin stays Dalvin and he keeps running over people. I think he runs over Vontez perfect. I think he gets my neck roll next week and, and I see this defense stepping up and stopping the run game. Wait, yeah. hold on. The what? The neck roll. We're giving I like out, how we, he's already calling out neck rolls. Yeah, are you giving out go. neck rolls? Call, yeah, yeah calling next week's this? neck roll. No. I want to see yeah. Dalvin. Well, let's get backboards too down. then. Yeah. Backboard? <laughs> what? The Brian no. Cox backboard. You got neck oh, rolls. You the got back. the back. <laughs> you know. The, the linebackers used to wear the backboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about it. We had a whole like segment on it. It was great. Yeah, John's yeah, saying give out backboards. I thought he was so, talking about like something very fatalistic. There. So did I. I was like, what are you? This went to a weird place, John. Like, not that weird. Uh, so yes, every Tuesday we give out neck rolls for displays of toughness uh, yes. on the field. Alex, uh, that was a lot. That was a lot of football. <laughs> That's the best I could say. I mean, that that was intense, and uh, I appreciate it. So, great great stuff all week long. Alex Boone, he is on every Tuesday, every Thursday, and at the end of every show on Thursday, we clarify things you didn't understand. So you have to podcast the whole show. So, Alex, great stuff, man. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank See you. Ya. Judd Zolgad, you're going to stick around. Mackie and Judd with Rami. If you missed anything this week, 
iTunes, Spotify. We'll be back tomorrow. Myron Metcalf will be on. We've had Sage Rosenfels breaking it down. It's been it's been an interesting week, and we're almost there to Sunday again. So. Who's the mic? Jonathan's the mic. Jonathan's the mic. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll catch you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.